The 5 O'Clock Frenzy is presented by Nova Home Loans. Call 577-2600 for help in buying a new home. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Yeah, let's do it. Nova Home Loans presenting the 5 O'Clock Hour, our frenzy. We're going to carry over some of the 4 O'Clock Hour to get kicked off here because we're getting into a frenzy. I was talking about some of the things at the MLB All-Star Game that were good. And by the way, this is all stuff I saw on social media. Candy turned in eight strong innings of watching the MLB All-Star Game. DeMond watched the end. I didn't watch any of it. Um, but the angles I love are the, the heat angles and the kind of the fan v. fan and then players showing out in a big way. So I mentioned two of the things that caught my attention that I thought were pretty cool in the game. First of all, the Seattle crowd saying, we want Otani, which is dynamite. Let's have as many teams in the market for Shohei as possible. And it shows an appreciation for one of the greatest players in the history of the game, with the fact that he can pitch and hit, and he's been tremendous, uh, just getting better and better the last couple of years. I love the Houston fans getting all pissed off at Seattle fans for booing every single thing that was Astros. Um, I actually saw a kid who I think works for the University of Houston newspaper I'm going to call this try to – he didn't steal Valor, but he used someone else's Valor to make people feel guilty. You know what stolen Valor is, right, Adam? Because people love doing this now. I'm familiar with the idea of stolen yeah. Valor, but I'm very curious to see how it's about so, to apply to the Major League Baseball All-Star. I know. I know. Well, Dusty Baker comes out, and he's connected to the Astros, so boo! And this kid tweets out, hey, man, he was a Marine. I can't believe you hate America that much. And I'm like, you can't – you're not allowed to do that. You can't use someone – it's not even like someone – stealing valor generally happens in your family where it's like, oh, my, you know, Drew Brees, my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather fought. And, like, okay, stop doing that. Stop stealing valor. Um, but this kid actually weaponized Dusty Baker's service to make f- people feel bad. Then they were like they – were, then they were talking about, you know, his status in the history of baseball as an African-American, you know, doing this first, that first. I'm like, you're not – stop doing that. You're not allowed to freaking weaponize – other special things about someone to defend them, it's incredibly childish. But the fans going against the fans, Candy, I think is so awesome. Um, I mentioned that one of the sports talk hosts in H-Town was getting after Seattle and their fans and what scumbags they are because they backed Alex Rodriguez. And it's like, guys, uh, a lot of these markets, you know, in from – I mean, I believe the steroid era started in like 82 um, – uh, you can look at f- some physiques, and again, I'm not alleging anything here. I judge Breaking a lot of this. News. I judge a lot of this on. I know, right? I judge a lot of this on. It, I'm sure it goes back to the '70s with some guys taking some like heavy horse steroids, and um, but I judge it on um, sudden power surges at the plate, um, you know, mid-career explosions, uh, pitchers coming out of nowhere and then disappearing very quickly, uh, where you know all of a sudden they're throwing five miles an hour harder, and it's like, hey, that guy was a tweener between AAA and the majors. Uh, all of a sudden, at 27, he's good until he's 31. And, you know, the Astros had a lot of guys who had an explosion of power. So I don't think Astros fans, who maybe just maybe they're not good fans in terms of their memory, or like many fans, they've just kind of chosen to just have it disappear in their mar- uh, mind, car- uh, compartmentalize it, if I can speak. Because there were a lot of Astros. You know, I was just reading off a list. I'm like, wow, those guys had massive power surges. There were also guys with the Astros, again, I mentioned going back to the 80s, like, who the hell is Mike Scott? All of a sudden, he's like splitter and 5,000 strikeouts. There were other dudes who came up pitching for the Astros who had, out of nowhere, have like a 230K year. So it's just stuff like that. Realizing every market, 
you, 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 it's stupid to point fingers at other teams as being like the Roid team. You don't know. You'll never know. And Well, sadly, actually, a lot of the names that I'm mentioning appeared in various reports. But I cut you off before the end of the hour. What were you going to say? Well, let's, let's talk about that. I want to go, I want to go with what you're talking about right now. If, if you're a fan of football and you hear former offensive linemen talking about spraying Crisco or other sorts of yeah. loosey-goosey things on their jerseys so hands wouldn't stick to them, is that cheating? When Warren Sapp used to file his fingernails to a point so that he would make sure he would draw blood on opposing linemen, was that cheating? Everyone cheats. Everyone has cheated. Everyone will cheat. Whether it is Domingo Herman, who we apparently have to celebrate for throwing a perfect game, even though he, I don't know, beat the crap out of his girlfriend and got suspended for cheating at baseball. Is it Garrett Cole not having the sticky stuff anymore? It doesn't matter. None of this matters. There are no high horses. There are no soapboxes. It's all equal. There's mm. just things you know and things you don't or things you choose to ignore. So there's, there's no reason to get up on these soapboxes anymore. There's no reason to do it. And the only people who are worse than that are these capers and these stands. I want to talk to that kid in Houston for a second because I know he's listening. He's listening to the show right now. Hi, kid from the Houston uh, school newspaper or whoever the heck you are. Um, careful. You, you look like a simp. Like, you can't do this. Be careful. You cannot, you cannot simp this hard. Like, and here's the most ridiculous part. Nobody asked you to do this. <laughs> Dusty Baker does not need your help. He does not need your defense. So what exactly was the point of you getting out there on social media and whether you're going to defend him by talking about he was a Marine, whether you're going to defend him by apparently creating some sort of straw man for somebody that it was about race, whatever it is, nobody asked you. Go away. Boy. We don't need you. We don't, Dusty Baker, as a former Marine, right. as a man who has been at this for many, many years, yeah. does not need your help. So yeah. what were you hoping to accomplish? Do you want a few likes? Did you think that thirst trap would notice you? Go away. Of course, then it turned into a bickering back and forth between Houston and Seattle about how Seattle hates America. We all know that. I'm like, now we're going down these political splits between the, the West and uh, Southwest, um, yeah. It's not like I actually made a list of the Astros over the years where I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting how that person can throw that hard or how many home runs are hitting. I didn't. So maybe I'll send it to the, uh, the Houston Cougar newspaper kid and he can attack me. But, uh, yeah. But, like, Richard Hidalgo, Shane Reynolds, Moise Zalou, Craig Biggio, Billy Wagner, mm -hmm. Lugo. These are just guys you know. Yeah, yeah, these are just Scott guys well. you uh, off the Mike Scott. off top of your head. Yeah. Just random names. Yeah. Just random names. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, uh, you know, as, as the only challenger to my throne is the uh, yes. baseball king no, no, of Cofield no. and Company. No, you're baseball, you're baseball king, and you deserve yeah. that because you are very tight. Thank you. You are very tight with the boss of baseball, Bobby Manfred, which we'll get to Uncle Bobby mm, in uh, That's one way to put it. Yeah. Boy, that voice, it's, it's creepy. Uh, other thing I got a kick mm. out of at the All-Star Game, I did not realize this was happening, but... Uh, you know the Texas Rangers, who have been awful for a long time and then decided, hey, we're going to compete again, and went out and signed some big-name free agents. And on this show, I will, I will always celebrate everyone competing and going out and signing whoever, you know, Marcus Simeon or Corey Seager, because I think it's putting you right uh, or in the right direction. Just try. Just try. The Rangers last night actually had six guys on the field. They had six guys on the field. Jonah Heim, 
at one time. Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, Josh Young, uh, Garcia, Avaldi. Uh, this is amazing. First time six teammates were on the field together since the All-Star Game, 1951. So I will forever compare these Rangers to the the Dodgers with Don Newcomb, Roy Campanella, Gil Hodges, Jackie Robinson, Pee Wee Reese, and Duke Snyder. Same thing. Yeah, tra- trailblazers, really, all yes. of them, well, especially, uh, you it, know, especially yeah. what, Nathan Evaldi on <laughs> yeah. his 19th team. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the, the it is cool, though, part of it. right? They, no, they bounce back the and they show, like, let's just try to compete, give something to the fans, develop and spend. Well, well guess who they spent on who's nowhere near the game? Jacob DeGrom. They went mm. out and got the best pitcher in the game. Yeah. who subsequently blew out his elbow again. And yet somehow they were the best team in the American League outside of the Tampa Bay Rays for most of the first half because they've got guys like Nathan Ivaldi and Adelis Garcia turning from a decent prospect into an all-world player. So it's fun. It's great. And it's a direct shot. And when you talk about Otani and whether or not he's going to go to Seattle or go anywhere else, it is a direct shot into the fat mug of Artie Moreno that he has never been able to make the Angels into anything of a competitor while having the two best players in baseball at one time on the same team. I can't get away from angst. I love it. It gets me worked up. I love it. I love it. Because one more thing going back to that Seattle-Houston uh, thing with the fans going at it. Houston fans are, are, were actually accusing of Seattle or accusing Seattle of being a bad baseball town and that where their fans been. That's a great great baseball town. Maybe they actually, when they weren't showing up and, you know, they finally have gotten fired up the last three years, maybe they did what they were supposed to do. And by the way, there were no Astros fans when they sucked and they were doing their rebuild. So for the, you know, nameless anonymous 23-year-olds who were accusing Seattle of being like a fair, you know, a, a fair-weather baseball town, most baseball towns are fair-weather. And Seattle has a really good history with their fans. Oh, my God. Think about the 94, 95, 96 era I don't, teams. No, I don't want to. I'm Freaking sure you kingdom. don't want to. I don't want to, think of, uh, I don't want to think of Buck Showalter leaving John Wetland in the bullpen at the end of that game either. But, you know, that's what happened. This, that team was amazing. And mm-hmm. the Kingdome, back in the day, before Safeco, whatever they call yep. it now, field, yep. the Kingdome yep. was one of the most intimidating environments in all of sports yep. when the Mettwinners were really good. When they had Randy Johnson and Alex Rodriguez, Edgar Martinez, Mike, uh, not even to mention Junior. Like, you know, they, they were one of the most amazing teams in history. And that never won a World Series. And the Houston Astros, while well, you talk about the rebuild, they were pulling a zero rating on TV for multiple years while they were in that rebuild. Literally nobody cared about you. Nobody. <laughs> and now that we do care about you, the only reason we care about you is to hate you. No rebuttal. No rebuttal. Unless DeMond wants to stand up and defend the Astros in some way or the fact that they were getting booed. Did that make you feel bad? Uh, no, but if you want me to play devil's advocate, I'm just going to say I can't believe that you guys are also crapping on a former veteran and black man, <laughs> Dusty Baker. <laughs> As a black man myself? Wow. Oh, he's a former veteran? Oh, what? He's not a veteran anymore? Is he not a veteran anymore, DeMond? Did he give that up? What, did you steal that piece of valor from him too? I mean, they've, they've won more recently. Oh, man, Astros fans are the worst. That's funny. Yeah. I can't stand it. <laughs> well, I have a feeling we could get he caught. He tried. He just couldn't keep it together. We could get caught in that DeMond net a lot. We better watch it here. We're, we're in trouble. We're, we're up against it. 
Uh, Aces last night, you know, we were just talking about the All-Star game with Major League Baseball. There was like an All-Star game of NBA luminaries, NWNBA favorites. That was a crazy scene last night. ton of people who were in town for the NBA Summer League and the WNBA All-Star game were hanging out last night. Uh, Willie Ramirez is our guy on the scene, man. He did a really good job. Willie, of course, you can find all the stories up at the Sporting Tribune and go to Twitter, Willie G. Ramirez. Uh, he's walking around, you know, he's covering the game, and then he sees you know some different celebrities. So he walks over to Paul George, and here's Willie Ramirez with Paul George. So we are joined by PG Paul George, sitting courtside tonight for the Las Vegas Aces. First of all, your thoughts on the ambiance, the atmosphere tonight. This is great, honestly. Um I think we should be a lot more keyed on into our women's sports. I'm happy that they have a great turnout. Both rosters are amazing talent. You know, obviously has a lot to do with it. But I think, you know, the more that we can come out and support our women, uh, the best starts with us. And I'm glad it's been uh, a, a huge showing from the NBA side. You've been coming to Las Vegas for a lot. Uh, I mean, a lot. Just summertime, vacation, leisurely, Team USA. This is now growing into such a, a mecca for pro sports. I would imagine the NBA is next on the list, or Vegas is next on the list for the NBA. Your thoughts on this becoming an NBA town? Yeah, well, I mean, I like to believe the playing tournament games being held here next year has something to do with uh, the NBA flirting with the idea of having a team. So hopefully that goes well. It's uh, uh, a heck of an NBA uh, fan base here. Um, Vegas has always been great with sports. We've seen it's been successful with the Aces, with the, uh, the hockey team here, you know, the Raiders moving over. I believe it's a baseball team coming soon. So, you know, it's shown that this can be a sports town. And, you know, what better place to uh, win and win big at? BG, we appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us on ESPN Las Vegas. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. There you go. Willie Ramirez last night with PG-13. I like the enthusiasm. I like the optimism about the NBA coming to Las Vegas, Candy, from a star player in the league that means something. Sure it does, and he's only uh, amplifying the voice of LeBron James, who's been the one out front with this. And, I mean, don't you feel like LeBron knows something that we probably feel like we should know, too? Don't you feel like LeBron has this timed up pretty well, and the fact that Adam Silver just this week started talking about expansion when he had said previously that there would be no expansion that it would have to be a relocation to vegas we're going to get a team and lebron's looking at two or three more years in the league and lebron thinks there should be a team in vegas and i don't know man a lot of smoke a lot of smoke i'm not insulting the guy i just want to make sure people know old isaiah thomas not younger shorter isaiah thomas little it could have been at the game but isaiah thomas the legend from the pistons was there uh, Willie grabbed him as well. I thought his conversation here, especially about the progress of women's basketball in Vegas, pretty interesting. Joining us right now on ESPN Las Vegas, Cofield and Company, the great, the Hall of Famer, Isaiah Thomas. Thank you for joining us, first of all. But you sat courtside tonight, the Las Vegas Aces. Just your thoughts on Las Vegas being now a sport, pro sports mecca. You know, when, when I spoke to Jim Murren about bringing a team here uh, from San Antonio, and, you know, I spoke to him the other day, and, and he and I, like, are co-founders of the Aces. And, you know, this is my first time in the arena. Lambeer came from the Liberty. We got Kelly here. And so, I mean, just, just what it's grown into and what MGM and now Mark Davis, what they've done here, you know, for sport, for basketball, summer league, you know, WNBA. Now we got football. We got the Raiders got baseball coming we got I mean it I mean 
the birth of Vegas sports, you know, outside of boxing has been amazing. And, you know, it truly is becoming, you know, a hub of sports and entertainment. And the WNBA and the Vegas Aces are driving. In your day, the, the Isaiah days, the Magic days, the Bird day, those days, yeah. right? back in Las Vegas, it was UNLV running Rebel basketball. Yeah. It really yeah. set the town on fire when it came to basketball. What do you remember most about those days when you think of Las Vegas? Uh, you know, I'm, I mean, like you say, the running Rebels, right? And, and the way they played, their style of play, you know, and, and how they how they pressed, picked up full court, and they were just so in your face. And it's very similar to the way the Aces are playing right now. Boy, I like that a lot. And I'm done after Isaiah Thomas just said that about Tark's Rebels, comparing them to what the Aces are doing. I'm done saying that the Aces and Becky Hammond brought FIBA basketball. They play running Rebel basketball. They play Tark basketball. They play Tark the Shark basketball. That's, that's official. You'll hear that all the time now. It's a good observation because uh, you know, we've, we've – when we talk about the Aces, they do play a different brand of basketball than the a lot of the WNBA was playing, which I still believe before Becky got into the league as a coach, a lot of teams were still playing Candy, the traditional 4-5, and there was a lot of post feeds, and Becky Hammond's like, no, we're going to run. We're going to run you off the friggin' floor, and we're going to have a lot of guard. We're going to have a lot of guards, a lot of players who can play point guard. Our bigs are going to tire out your bigs. So they're, they're – there is a similarity there, and they do play good defense. And they listen. The crazy thing is, we thought Tark's teams shot a lot of threes. They really didn't compared to now. Uh, the Aces shoot a lot of threes. I mean, they they embrace basketball from deep. Well, you know who plays a completely different style of basketball? These Aces do than the Las Vegas Aces. This, Becky Hammond took whatever Bill Lambeer had in the playbook yep, yep. and torched it yeah. and reshaped the roster. Now, I'll give Bill Lambeer this much credit. He did draft Jackie Young, and, and that goes toward building what this roster is today. But the Aces were a team where you had to sit and watch 10 dump-ins to Liz Cambage in a row, and it was hard to watch. It just wasn't great basketball. It wasn't, And more importantly, it wasn't a great entertainment product, and that's what they've become. They become a destination. They become an entertainment product that guys like Paul George and guys like Isaiah Thomas, who can still kiss my white behind for what he did to the Knicks, really enjoy coming out and seeing in Vegas. <laughs> uh, giveaway time right now. Three, six, four, eleven hundred. It's our big giveaway here over the next uh, six, seven weeks. We've got eight trips and eight weeks total. We started a couple weeks ago. Uh, here's how you get in. Three six four eleven hundred. You will qualify to win four tickets to an Aviators game, and then you're also qualified to win the weekly grand prize trip. This week, it's a five day houseboat rental on Lake Powell, plus a thousand dollar gift card for gas and food. Or you know what? Just take the money. Three thousand dollars cash. It's take the trip or take the cash. The Lotus Summer of Fun. Caller seven three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. Coming up. Uh, more from this blockbuster story that just expands this whole conspiracy theory of Goodell and Mark Davis and Gruden and Dan Snyder. That's on the way, and we're about 15 minutes away from the latest with Oakland. Wait a second. Wait a second. We're getting reports here. Oakland is trying to steal the A's from us now? Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio with Steve Cofield and Adam Candy on ESPN Las Vegas. 
Yep, Cofield and Company, King of Baseball. Candy is here. That's a mouthful. Damon, Cofield, Finley Toyota Studios. We're about 10 minutes away from getting into the latest story with the A's trying to... <laughs> Oakland's trying to steal the A's from us. Weird. Okay, that's coming up. That's coming up. Want to remind you, Aces go for... Do I have the record right? Is it 18-2 and two tonight? I lose track. The winning is just so prevalent. Uh, they go for another win tonight. They're in L.A., We'll have the game here, a pregame coming up next hour, but it's right here on ESPN Las Vegas. And if you want to watch the game, we've got watch parties brought to you by Finley Volkswagen of Henderson. Tonight's watch party will be hosted by Raider Nation Radio's Lindsey Brown, who is going to be at Buffalo Wild Wings. That's where we hold our parties, viewing parties, lots of prizes, cool specials. I like the uh, $3 Wild Herd Colch at uh, all the Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, she will be... Hanging out at the Galleria Mall location, Mall Ring Circle, 617 Mall Ring Circle. Please let someone look that up. I don't want to mislead you. But uh, it's at the Galleria in Henderson. Cool location. Aces watch party tonight with prizes and specials and Lindsay on the scene uh, during the game. How cool is that? How cool is that? All right. So we have the story come out today, Candy. Gift from the gods. Raiders very much the topic of the story. How the hell did this whole thing come together with John Gruden getting fired because someone leaked emails to the Wall Street Journal. And as you read the story, the someone was? Probably Danny Boy Snyder, and maybe he had some help at the league offices. Yeah, yeah. Most likely Dan Snyder. And they also, they there's a lot of lines you can draw between certain law firms that have specialties in doing this. Did you kind of get the whole angle of the law firm that had also worked with your guy. Um, I want to get this right. It was A-Rod going after Bobby Manfred and baseball, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, A-Rod tried to turn the tables and, and yeah. hurt my boy Bobby when he's the one who usually does the hurting. Like, like the, this, uh, this law firm, Reed, Reed Smith, was involved, uh, and also what they were engaging with a lawyer by the name of Joe Tacopina, which if you listen to <laughs> yes, the... Yeah, yeah. National news, yeah. you might have heard that name once Good or twice Joe, yeah. Uh, recently. Yeah, I mean, they had they had private investigators following Rob Manfred to try to find dirt on him. This is a bare-knuckle, sure. brawling kind of firm. Let's do it. Yes, they've done it in the past. And so the, the line was pretty obvious uh, that 99% sure that Snyder did it. Now, did the league benefit from it? Of course it did because they leaked the emails of Gruden being racist, being sexist being anti-gay, making comments from you know years ago, and the league was in the midst of trying to clean up its image and act like it actually cared around the time of kneeling for the national anthem and Kaepernick, so it was served up on a plate for them, although the league will continue to say, look, oh, we didn't do it, but you didn't hate it. You didn't hate it. And the other great angle on this is John Gruden does not like Roger Goodell, and Roger Goodell does not like John Gruden. And probably about three-quarters into the story, you know, you, you start, you go back, right? And I know you had mentioned it earlier in the show that Al Davis kind of trained John Gruden in the ways of distrusting the league and distrusting uh, Roger Goodell, right? It came straight from Al Davis. And if you want to talk about him training John Gruden, you damn well know that that's how he trained his son to feel about the league as well. And let's be clear here. Mark Davis did get screwed when it came to going to Los Angeles, where the Raiders oh, would have been oh. a perfect fit. Oh. There's no question about the fact that Mark Davis got screwed. However, let's not forget, 
that there were a number of league forces who came together to help get the new stadium in Vegas as well. So Mark Davis had a lot of help from a league that he and John Gruden don't particularly have a lot of love for. But I think it's clear as day when you read this story that as badly as I think Mark Davis botched a million different things in this situation, he never came out strongly enough against the things that John Gruden wrote. He took way too long to take any sort of corrective action. And then, quite honestly, in the end of it, when his team showed that they were able to rally around with Rich Passaccia and Derek Carr, he made sure that neither one of them was with the franchise within a year Hmm. after that. But he was damn sure right about the fact that Roger Goodell does not like the Raiders and Roger Goodell does not like John Gruden in particular. For as much as there's all this Raider paranoia and conspiracy theory out there, It's pretty clear when you read the facts in this article that include how the Raiders were treated during the COVID situation, which they deserve to be penalized for. But were they penalized equally to other teams? Not sure that they necessarily were. There's a lot in that story that goes to show that Mark Davis did get one thing right. He knows that the league had no problem with John Gruden getting screwed. Tell me if I'm being a rube here in my defense against what you just said about Mark Davis not being strong enough. I believe that Mark Davis understands. I'm thinking about it now. I'm wavering. No, I believe Mark Davis understands that what Gruden wrote was offensive and was really serious, but I think he very heavily got caught up in immediate whataboutism and and just went right to, hey, they, they hate they hate us. They hate the Raiders, and they're sticking it to us. And and all that, the stuff with Gruden and the emails fell by the wayside because he was so worked up about the past and what he felt in the present, you know, getting screwed. Like you said, league forces. Uh, Stan Kroenke is an incredibly litigious guy. And, you know, from what we heard, Kroenke was like, hey, you don't give me the, the L.A. market, uh, there's going to be lawsuits. And he's a really rich guy. Uh, the funny thing is, once again, though, it's Mark Davis being pushed aside for another guy who can be a problem for the league. Because remember, we're looking at what? Five years later, then Kroenke's got this whole thing where the whole league is involved in his St. Louis nonsense. And they're all like, wait, we're not paying it. So they chose Kroenke over Mark Davis. They chose the Spanos family, which, come on, right? And for the Spanos family, they, through good personnel work, they have stepped into Justin Herbert, so this thing's going to work in L.A. And, you know, the overarching thing here is they chose Dan Snyder in that moment over Mark Davis. The other, the other thing with this, Candy, and I guess I should let you answer if I'm a buffoon for defending Mark Davis for not being strong enough, so go ahead. I can get behind the idea that Mark Davis's emotions got in the way of yeah. firing John Gruden or of making sure that John Gruden was dealt with in a timely manner. What I still can't deal with to this day, two years later almost, I cannot deal with the fact that there was never any sort of strong, forceful rejection of what was put out there by John Gruden, what was in the emails. They're so stuck on the fact that they were leaked and the fact that the franchise got screwed and the fact that Mark Davis couldn't have the coach that he wanted all that time that they never took the steps that they really needed to take as a franchise. And then, oh, what happened a year later? They also got uh, sued for discrimination a year later, right? And then, let's just say, took some public steps to try to cover that up. So in the end, I still don't feel like What happened with the league, even if it is Mark Davis feeling like he got screwed because the league chose Daniel Snyder over him, that's hard to even say out loud. 
even if that's the case, I still can't deal with the fact that there was never a rejection of Gruden's ideology. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio with Steve Cofield and Adam Candy, only on ESPN Las Vegas. I'm glad Candy's here for this part of the story to finish up on, and you got to go read this. We don't want to spoil the story for you. It's a long story, but just incredible work by ESPN.com and Seth Wickersham and Don Van Natta on Goodell and the Raiders and Davis and Gruden getting fired and Snyder. And it's just, uh, you know, Rock Nation involved. Jeff Pash, one of the big voices, and just so much information, uh, so much dirt. But the reason I say I'm glad that Candy's here is – Adam Candy's a calm, cool, collected, professional guy in the air. But I know Candy can be uh, – he's a spitfire. If you cross him, uh, he's not going to take it. And you have a good memory. You have a good memory of people, you know, want to – kind of. I'll, I'll say it like this, like, oh, is that right? Okay, you just said that to me. Okay, well, I'll, I'll remember that. I think you're kind of like that. I – I absolutely will remember every slight that has ever been thrown my way, and I will make it my life's goal to ruin the existence of anyone who gives me even the slightest bit of disrespect. And so there are people from the sixth grade who still better watch their backs. Hmm. I I could probably go that far back. Um, The reason I mention all this is this one really connected with me. So the, the... Goodell Gruden reference or a war or dislike of each other. One of the incidents that, you know, really got it going aside from the tuck rule, which Gruden still thought they got screwed. And that was a league going, you know, what? F the Raiders. Um, he was doing a game. He's doing Monday night football back in 2011. The story is in the story. Falcon saints. There's a helmet to helmet. Uh, Marcus Colston goes down flag for unnecessary roughness. And Gruden on the broadcast is like, eh, just don't understand how games are being officiated. Game's over. Got a call from Roger Goodell. And Goodell asked Gruden to come to the league office to meet with John Madden and Jeff Fisher. Uh, the purpose was for Gruden to get a lesson on player safety. Now, right off the bat, I'm like, wait a second. If you're John Gruden, aren't you like, really, Rog? And it actually said says it in the story like, Wait, John Madden, who coached the Raiders, who were dirty as hell at the time, and Jeff Fisher, who's got a history of the same thing with some of his players, and Gruden apparently told Goodell, you got to be S-ing me. Um, says in the story, Gruden later told friends that he thought Goodell was treating him like a stooge. Uh, that meeting, he never showed up. That's for, the best for part. For the meeting, he just did not show up. And then another great story beyond that is... Remember how hard the Raiders were hit for COVID violations? And Gruden specifically got fined hundreds of thousands of dollars. He was irate, but he eventually wrote the check. Did you see what Sean Payton told him? That he's a dumb F for writing the check because Sean Payton never did. Can you imagine how mad you'd be if you're like, wait, I played the good soldier to these people that think I'm stooges. By the way, we're talking about 2011 and now another action in 2020. Or was it 21? Whatever it was, right? I think it was 20. Um, and Gruden still feeling like this guy's freaking grinding my gears. All right. Steve. Yes. The power flex move yes. 
of Roger Goodell not only dragging John Gruden yeah. to the league office for a meeting on a subject that John Gruden knows a hell of a lot more about than Roger Goodell does, but then knowing that Roger Goodell was actually in the building, oh. sending in an underling to say, oh, sorry, Rog isn't going to be able to make this one. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Please leave your nuts on the table, and we will return them to you at a time to be determined. Come on. At the end of the session, Goodell entered a conference room, thanked Gruden for coming, and left. Gruden fumed after that brief meeting. Gruden never spoke Amazing. again with Goodell. Yeah. <laughs> they never spoke again. And that was a, that was actually uh, another event later because that was a charity deal, I think, for you know teaching football to kids. And they're like, hey, come in. You know, Goodell's going to be there. You guys can talk a little bit. Goodell's like, behind the scenes, I'm sure Goodell's like, I hate that guy. I'm not going to go walk in and glad hand him and stuck it to Gruden, disrespected him. So there's a lot going on between these guys. And guess what? It's still in court. So, And that's why Gruden, you know, again, off the record, behind the scenes, has been telling people, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to continue with this. There is no settlement. Everything's coming out. I'm, I'm going to drive this the league and Goodell especially into the friggin' ground. So I'm going to give the audience, just take a, take a deep breath here. If you're driving, be careful. Don't swerve. Uh, don't do what I do, you know, arbitrarily, uh, you know, something will happen I hear on radio, like a happy moment. I was ah, lay on the horn. OK, um, this is this is outrageous, Candy. We are now getting reports that the Oakland mayor is now trying to steal the A's from us. What? Unbelievable. The unmitigated gall. You're we just talked about. Long-time personal vendettas. Mayor of Oakland, you really want to do this? To Candy and Cofield, and I'll include Cotton. Damon Cotton's got a temper, man. I know from his wrestling days, there were some rivalries. They're not dead yet. He may go back 10 years from now. Can you believe they're doing this? They actually went. They've been in communication with Bobby Manfred, and uh, the mayor showed up. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think this was like, let's bombard uh, Manfred, I'm guessing that he took the meeting, but they went and made a presentation and they still want in. Like, hey, here's our presentation. You keep saying we haven't made an offer. Let's go. Well, the mayor of Oakland, Sheng Thao, actually traveled to Seattle during All-Star Weekend mm -hmm. because she was not particularly pleased when Rob Manfred came out and said that there was no plan, that Oakland had <laughs> never tried. Yeah, never tried. Well, never tried. So the San Francisco Chronicle is reporting uh, 30 bound copies of a report, one for each team owner to see, were presented by Thao to Rob Manfred, who told the Chronicle, quote, I did feel it was important to meet with the commissioner in person. This decision isn't just about business. How they vote will have a lasting impact on a multi-generational fan base of working families who love this game of baseball and have a deep connection to Oakland. It ain't done. We're seeing fight out of Oakland that I didn't expect to see, right? The former mayor, Libby Schaff, kind of reached a point where she was like, you know what? Good. Go. Right? Especially when it came to when it came to dealing with trying to build something on the Coliseum side. I was like, look, this is just this. They're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. We're never getting to that point. Well, now we have set up a situation that could be, shall I say, painful. For the fans of Oakland, Steve. Yeah. 
because we don't know how Bobby Baseball is going to respond. But you know what's probably going to happen? Someone's going to get hurt. Yes. There's going to be pain. Don't do this voice, please. Because there's nobody, there's absolutely nobody who likes to bring the pain like Bobby Baseball. When Rob Manfred sets out to hurt you, buddy, you're going to get hurt, and you are going to learn to ask for more. Because if the Oakland fans are getting excited right now thinking, oh, maybe Robbie's going to cut me a break. No, he's not. He's just going to let you feel like there's an escape, and then he's going to come down twice as hard, and you're going to love it. You're going to lose your baseball team a second time. Just when you thought you'd lost them to the Vegas and you had a little bit of hope that the mayor was going to try to bring him back. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, uh. Your hope is leaving. Your hood is going back on. And you will feel the pain of one Robert Manfred. Yep. All while wearing very tight leather. Spikes involved. Mm-hmm. Whips. Mm-hmm. Candy loves it. There's he no pitch clock about that's going to save you. There's no pitch oh, clock no, that's no. going to save you. <laughs> um, boy, there's a lot of ways I can segue to the story, but I don't want to insult anyone locally. Uh, you know, the other thing with this on the Vegas side of it, and clearly, folks, five minutes ago we were tongue-in-cheek. I, I hope someone actually clips that. We probably should just put out the clip and, and be then actually – get people to believe that we are outraged that Oakland is trying to steal the ace from us. Right. But that's we're we're being sarcastic. Um, you know, who's gotten real cocksure in this situation? Boy, oh boy, Steve Hill. So we've got the teachers trying to make an effort here around Clark County to block this and eventually get it put on the ballot for next year. Uh, did you see what Steve Hill said about this whole situation? Like, what a confident guy that this thing is done. He believes that they have the law on their side now after a law was passed that allows the state uh, to put together a funding package for the $1.5 billion retractable roof stadium. Yep. He told the RJ, well, it's hard to get that on the ballot. But that's a different subject. We will be done with our contract prior to that vote being taken. The contract would be in place on the law SB1 that is currently valid. So if someone else looks to build a ballpark in the future, blah, 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 blah. This is what we plan to do. All right, Steve. Okay. And and let me tell you, uh, those comments, because there's, I don't know, Candy, you follow us pretty good up on social media. There's probably about 10, 15 accounts that are into this everyday Oakland-based or, you know, A's fans accounts. And they follow everything here, and I'm not. Tr- I'm not trying to say that like the man's existence is threatened or uh, you know Steve Hill is unsafe, but he he is in the crosshairs of these folks the last couple of days with that statement. Like, doesn't matter what you do, it's getting done. Uh, Steve Hill is Mister Steal Yo Lunch and Steal Yo Team in the Bay Area because. <laughs> He was the chair of the stadium authority when everything was come together, coming together for the Raiders to come down to Vegas. And now he's the chair of the LVCVA when this whole deal for the A's is coming together. So I can understand where he might be public enemy number one, but he's, he's stating the facts. Yeah. The fact is that the deal is done in terms of the funding now. Could the teachers qualify their ballot initiative and have this somehow pull apart? Yeah, they could. Could the 
could the pitch by Oakland be enough to sway the relocation committee that has come together to begin considering the application by the A's to say, hey, did you really give it every opportunity to get a stadium deal done in Oakland? Yep, that could happen too. But Steve Hill's looking at the law that's been passed for funding here in Vegas, and he's right to just put the narrow blinders on and focus on that. One more thing on this. When he says that's what we plan to do, he's speaking on behalf of LVCVA, A's. I was kind of wondering you know, when he says we, who's we? Yeah, I mean, you have to understand if you were looking at this funding deal that there are a lot of entities coming together. Yes, that's my point. And, and, Steve, and Steve Hill reps and works with a lot of entities. I'm like, I exactly. don't know. Well, he represents all of them, essentially, yeah. when you speak about yes. the interests yes. of Vegas. Yes. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, let's close out strong or else. No more S&M talk about Bobby Manfred. We're going we're gonna to keep that out of the show, the final three minutes. I know Candy loves it. Adam Candy, Damon is here. It's Cofield. Hmm. I don't like doing this because I'm not a, much of a self-promoter, probably to my detriment, right? I like doing radio. Mm. I don't like talking about myself. No one cares about me. I tell s- stupid stories, and we go on from there, but there's no, you know, sports radio guy. I don't do that. Uh, but one of our, uh, our good friends, a big supporter of the station group, is a guy named Jason Barrett. He's got a site called uh, sportsradiopd.com, uh, or check that. That's his Twitter handle. I think it's barrettsportsmedia.com up on the web. Um, they reached out to me. They're like, hey, we want to do a story uh, featuring you talking about Vegas and the growth of sports over the you know however long you've been there. So I gave the guy a little bit of background, and then the, uh, the guy, the writer, is Brian No, who writes for uh, Barrett but also does radio for Fox Sports Radio. And most of the conversation was about the growth of sports the last 25 years. I've been here since 96, probably 25 and a half of the 27 years and worked in radio for most of it. So, you know, I have have my perspective. Candy's been here forever. He's got his perspective and, you know, what's happened. And Vegas is still one of these, like, really fascinating places to people. And now that we're blowing up Major League Sports, you know, people just don't know a whole lot about Vegas. So good interview. He puts the interview up. Um, I got a little feedback on it because I retweeted it. We'll put it out on some more platforms. And like I said, it's not it's not about me. It's more my take on what's happened over the years. And Damon hadn't seen it. So during the break, Damon looks at the story and what would you say? I know that they tell you, hey, we don't have any control over the picture that we use out for social media. <laughs> but look at this picture, Candy. This picture of oh, Steve. Oh, I've seen it. It's a gag, right? Did you did you put the age filter on yourself? You uh, look- oh, Demond wasn't here for this. He was Steve. You no. got to let him in on it. Demond nope. wasn't here. This when looks this like happened. local hobo <laughs> gives his opinion on Las Vegas Las Vegas sports. Well, the funny thing is, I said I've been here since '96. So I've been mostly on the air for 20, 26 or twenty seven years. And when people see the picture, they'll be like, "Wow, this guy's like seventy eight years old." Okay. Um, no, I. There was a Russian app years ago that could make you super old or make you a baby and i loved the old part of it like i made a candy you were just super craggy faced i made multiple photos of myself because you could take your your photos and i happened that was like a picture at silver sevens uh with some goofy california hat on and i i I look like i don't know like a like a not so handsome kenny rogers like it is I, i look like i am 75 years old and that's the picture they used. And, they've, and the thing is, I love that website and I love the attention and the cooperation they, they have with us. But they've used it multiple times. And I've had almost no one reach out to me and be like, dude, you look terrible. 
What is happening? I'm sorry. Hold hold on. Hold hold on. Did Kenny Rogers get hit in the face with one of his roaster chickens? <laughs> Why are we doing that to Kenny Rogers? He didn't ask to be involved in this. I just meant the full lush gray beard dynamite, but yeah. The mm. mm. pulls the phone back. He's like, "What is this picture?" But go check it out. It's up on our uh, social media platforms and it's all for you guys. And you did it. You're the ones who brought Major League Sports here and brought all this joy to us.